a prophet had two distinct roles. Number one, he would foretell. In other words, he would tell this is what the Lord is, and he would foretell. That would predict the future. God always gave him the message. How do you know if a prophet was really a prophet? 100% of the time, he had to be correct. He could not at all even make one mistake when it came to prophecy. And so prophecy is important, and I, I would like to convince you of that. So let's go, first of all, number one, why should we study proper prophecy? We should study prophecy because we're commanded to. In Isaiah 34, 16, notice what the Bible says. Search from the book of the Lord and read. Not one of these shall fail, not one shall lack or make, for my mouth has commanded it, and his spirit has gathered them. We have been commanded to search the book and understand and know that not one of the prophecies that's in this book will fail. Not one. Not one. We should study prophecy because God commands us to. John 5.39 You search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life and these are they which testify of me. We are commanded to search the scriptures. 2 Peter 1.19 And so we have the prophetic word confirmed which you do well to heed as a light shines in the dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Did you see that? He said, "These we have this prophetic word confirmed and you will do well to heed the prophecies of this book. This book. So, number one, we're commanded. Number two, prophecy is a major part of the Scripture. Prophecy is a major part of the Scripture. Do you know that of the Old Testament, 28.5% is prophecy? 28.5% of the Old Testament is prophecy. 21.5% of the New Testament is prophecy. If you couple those together, put the books of the Old Testament, the books of the New Testament together, put all the prophecy together, 27% of the whole Bible is prophecy. Now what does that say if we were to leave out prophecy from our teachings? That means that we would be leaving out almost one-third of the Bible. That would be a huge gap. Listen to what Mark Hitchcock writes in his book, The End. 333 prophecies concerning Christ, of which 109 were fulfilled by His first coming. That means 224 are yet to be fulfilled. There's 109 that have been already fulfilled, but yet there are still 224 that have not yet been fulfilled. Now, I don't know about you, but if there are 109 prophecies that have already been fulfilled, then I think there's something to this. 300 references to the Lord's coming in the 260 chapters of the New Testament. One out of every 30 verses in the New Testament is a prediction or a prophecy concerning the Lord's coming. One out of 30. I think it's pretty important. 23 of the 27 New Testament books mention the Lord's coming. 
Jesus referred to his second coming 21 times. Has Jesus ever lied? No. 21 times he tells us. That's a prophecy. It's important. 1,527 Old Testament passages that refer to the second coming. You heard that right. 1,527 Old Testament passages refer to the second coming. And some people say, well, the second coming is not in the Old Testament. What Old Testament are they reading? For every time his first coming is mentioned, the second coming is mentioned eight times. People are exhorted to be ready for the return of Jesus Christ over 50 times. Over 50 times in the Bible, in the New Testament, people are exhorted to be ready for the return of Jesus Christ. And we have some churches that are playing Pokemon and uh, trolls and all kinds of stuff like that. Bryce, in his uh, wisdom, found another church that was, they had a, so-called pastor, and they were, what show were they watching uh, to get their moral lesson from? Yeah, they were Barbie. What kind of moral lesson can you get from Barbie? I don't even know, if a grown man would even watch that, there's something wrong with you. And if if I defend you, there's even more something wrong with you. Barbies, when I was a kid, was used for professional wrestling. We would take our G.I. Joe dolls and, you know, slam them. But I know, I know, masculinity these days are not heralded. That's why they need to read prophecy. Amen. That's number, I didn't even put that in there, but that's an extra one. That's eight. Number three, prophecy is all about Jesus. Would you turn with me to Revelation chapter 19 and verse 10? This is a powerful, powerful scripture. Prophecy is all about Jesus. It's not about the person telling the prophecy. It's about Jesus Christ. Revelation 19.10 And I fell at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, See that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. Now listen to this. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The reason we study prophecy is because it's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. Prophecy is all about Jesus. I I don't understand the way things are going today. And there's uh, even more and more churches are neglecting to teach prophecy. More and more churches are neglecting to to, uh, inform people biblically of what's going on. And there are things that are happening right now that the Bible said would happen. And if we don't tell people, we'll be derelict in our duty. If we say that we love Jesus and we're going to preach Jesus and we sing about Jesus, why wouldn't we preach about what he preached about, which was over 50 times, he said, be ready for his second coming. Number four, prophecy motivates us to live Christ-honoring lives. Titus 2.13 says, Looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
Now, think about this. I, I was thinking, there's another passage of Scripture, I believe it's in uh, 1 John, and it talks about how we do not have to be ashamed at His appearing. And the key to these passages are that we are ready for when He comes. The, the, the constant thought of the imminent rapture of the church, that it could happen at any moment, should motivate us to live Christ-honoring lives. If we're looking for, if we're looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our Savior, then we're going to live a life that honors Christ because we know that He could call us out at any moment. And I think that's more important than Barbie or any other television program. Used to be years ago, and I like. There's, I have nothing wrong with um, Andy Griffith Show. I love the Andy Griffith Show. But I would not show that on Sunday morning and derive a spiritual lesson to teach the church from that. Because we have a more sure word. We have God's prophecy given to us in this book. Charles Dyer, who's a prophecy expert, said this, God gave prophecy to change our hearts, not to fill our heads with knowledge. One of the things I had to learn when I came out of Bible college is that not everybody cared about what I learned in Bible college. And ultimately, the truths of the Word of God that we learn, we learn them so that our hearts are changed and our lives are molded and shaped into the image of Jesus Christ, not so that we have a superior knowledge over someone else. And prophecy motivates us to live Christ-honoring lives. If I am going to look for my Savior and He could rapture me out at any moment, I have to be ready. And if I have to be ready, then I'm living a Christ-honoring life. Number five, prophecy is a great tool for evangelism. I can't stress this enough. Knowing what the Bible says about the end times should motivate us to share the gospel. Every conversation that we have anymore, whether it be politics and whether it be any kind of anything, we have to take people back to the gospel. Invariably, when we would be out witnessing to someone, it's happened to you before, I would begin to talk to someone about their spiritual life and they would say, well, where did Cain get his wife? Or they want to know all these questions, you know. And the reason they were doing that, they were deflecting from the real issue of when you asked them about the gospel. Because, listen to me, it is the gospel, the Bible says, that is the power of God unto salvation. It's not my delivery. It's not my illustrations. It's Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. But it is the gospel that is the power of God unto salvation. And when we preach prophecy, what is, the, what is the remedy to someone fearing Christ coming back? Or fearing end times? The remedy is the gospel. If you believe in Jesus Christ and you are saved, you're passed from death unto life, you don't have to worry about end times. You don't have to worry about end times. And sometimes when we start talking about prophecy... 
I ran into someone the other day and said, man, I really need to get back in church. There's a lot of things going on in this world. And I want to say you need to get back in church because you need that relationship with the Lord, not because of all the things that's going on in the world. He told us the things are going to go on in the world. Evil shall wax worse and worse. And we'll talk about some of that in the upcoming weeks. But prophecy is a great tool for evangelism. How many of you remember uh, Jack Van Ippy? I mean, if you've seen him once, you, can, you will not forget him. He had that evangelist hair. You know what I'm saying? He had a Ph.D., a Pentecostal hairdo. And he wasn't even Pentecostal. But man, he was a walking Bible. He could, I mean, he could spout off those words. And invariably, though, whenever he would teach a prophetic message, he always concluded with the gospel. He and Rexella. How many of y'all remember Rexella? Rexella, he would always end with the gospel. Why? Because the gospel is the power of God and the salvation. It's the gospel that changes people's lives. And prophecy opens the door. It softens the heart for someone to hear the gospel. You start talking about the tribulation period, and you start showing people what the Bible says about the tribulation period, and their heart will be opened up to hear the gospel. They may not believe it. That's between them and God. But you'll have an opportunity to share the gospel with them. So prophecy is a great tool for evangelism. Number six, prophecy helps us understand the whole Bible. If you and I never studied prophecy and we never had that framework, there would be a big hole in our theology. 27% of the Bible would be left out. If you didn't study prophecy, you wouldn't know how all of this ends and how it all fits together. Remember, the Bible teaches us that Jesus, who is God in the flesh, knows the end from the beginning and everything in between. You and I, we do not. But God's Word shows us what He has revealed to us and what He wants us to know about end times. And I, I think that if, if, we, if we didn't study it, how do we know how to respond when all these things start happening? How are we going to keep our sanity when they start removing things from our lives and they continue to tighten the noose around us of, of oppression because we're born-again believers in Jesus Christ. Do you know that in New York, and it's all tied together, do you know that in New York City they had to close down James Madison High School? A lot of, that's a famous high school. They had to close it down, and the students now have to do online uh, studies because of the weather and the amount of illegal aliens. They've brought them in. They're going to house them in the school, and the people, the kids will not be educated in the school now. And we have factual proof that China is manufacturing fentanyl Shipping it to Mexico to the cartel, and the cartel is splitting it up into little pieces that they can pass off and sell. 
and it's coming freely into the border. And do you know that it is the number one cause of death in the United States between the ages of 18 and 45? Do you know that in the Bible, we are taught in prophecy that in the last days, the devil would use a tool, and the Greek word is pharmacia, which is almost close to our pharmaceuticals. Prophesied in the Bible. God's word told us that in the end times, the devil would use drugs to deceive people. And guess what he's doing? Guess what the state of Ohio did in November because we didn't go out and vote? They legalized marijuana. Every law enforcement officer I know was adamantly opposed to it. Guess what the devil's going to use in the end times? As Pastor Duke would say, dink, I think not. A coincidence? It's not a coincidence. It's right here. And we can put our head in the sand and say, you know, I'm, I'm just going to just, just do good messages to make us feel good about ourselves. That's not going to help anyone. That's not going to help anyone. I was in a meeting last night, and our new uh, senator was there, Congress, uh, State House of Representatives was here, and they were going, he was talking, he was going today, this morning, to. Uh, Columbus to veto the governor who is put in by us to have because he said he had our standards, but he vetoed the bill that would have protected kids from mutilating themselves, transgender mutilation. He vetoed that bill, giving them the right to do that and for transgenders to participate in sports, which puts all kinds of burden on the local school. And he claimed to be one of us, a conservative. Guys, listen to me. This stuff is not not coincidence. And I'm telling you this. I promise you that the demons of hell will be unleashed in Columbus because they are going to override his veto. And any of you that read that book, you know what I'm talking about. If you read The Return of the Gods, you know exactly what I'm talking about and what we're dealing with. And how it is all lining up with just what he said. We could not possibly, as the Bible instructs us, to rightly divide the Word of God if we took out 27% of God's Word. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Be diligent to present yourself approved unto God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. How can you rightly divide the word of truth? It means to cut through a mountain. How do you rightly divide the word of truth? If you take out 27% of it. And it's equally, almost equally balanced between the Old Testament and the New Testament. So we're not just talking about New Testament passages, we're talking about Old Testament passages, and they're all the Word of God. Yet, I have friends whom I love, but we disagree on the end times thing, and they think that I'm just an alarmist, and that we, the millennial kingdom is not a real kingdom, it's just a kingdom, a spiritual kingdom. And it's not. It's a real kingdom, and these things are real, 
And they laugh at it. And this stuff is serious stuff. Number seven, prophecy promises a blessing to those who study and keep what it says. Revelation 1.3 says, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. When I first started uh, preaching, I was warned by older people, Well, you, you stay away from that book of Revelation. Stay, that, that's deep stuff, man. That'll get you in trouble. Stay away from it. And then I couldn't figure it out because three verses I would read into it. And the Bible said, Blessed is the man who reads. <laughs> he reads this prophecy and hears the words of this prophecy and keeps those things which are written. They're telling me you can't understand it. And the Word of God's telling me you'll be blessed if you read it. And they were supposed to be on my side. The, the prophecy promises us a blessing. It is a wonderful thing to know that I, you know, I don't know, maybe some of you all know this. Between Anna and Noah, we had two miscarriages. Amy had two miscarriages. And then, of course, you all know about Sailor, our granddaughter, who was stillborn. Prophecy gives me hope because I know that one day I will see that baby. And I know there's a, a grandfather back there on this side and a grandfather back there on this side that both have grandbabies in heaven. Right here. And probably some of here I don't know about. But how do I know? Because promises of God about prophecy, that he's gone away to prepare a place, that's a prophecy. And if I go away, I will come back and I will receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. How do we know that? Prophecy. Prophecy. Guys, this is, this is my conviction. Let me close with this. 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 20 and 21. This is my conviction. Peter says, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. My conviction is... Prophecy is from God. And prophecy is a gift to us. And if we don't study it, because it might be challenging, it might be difficult, and it might, there might be things in there that we can't figure out, so we just leave it alone and we'll just talk about nice things. If we don't talk about it, how are we going to inform people of these important things? How can we talk about heaven if we don't talk about prophecy? I have a friend who doesn't believe in the pre-millennial uh, rapture of the church, the pre-trib rapture, because of Tim LaHaye's Left Behind series. He said Tim LaHaye wrote these Left Behind series, and it was so goofy and everything. And I'm thinking, that's a stupid reason not to believe it. Believe it because the Bible says it. Get your eyes off man. Get your nose out of that book and get your nose in this book. This book will set you straight. This 
prophecy is not ours. It never was ours. It was given to us through men that God (coughs) moved upon. It's a God-breathed book. And God moved upon those men and they penned what He told them to pen. And it's not ours, but it's His. And if it's His, then we must study it. We must revere it. And we must obey it. And that, my friends, is why I believe we should study prophecy. Now, let me ask you, can I ask you a favor? I'm going to take my glasses off so I can see you. At least see half of you. Um, Can I ask you a favor? If you have a question, would you write it down? And maybe, if we have time, at the end of each, if I get it before, if you get it to me before, like if you give me a question or two Sunday, at the end after my message on Wednesday, maybe we'll answer that question biblically. Okay? Give me a day or two to to find a... I mean, I might know the answer, but I would like to show you the answer from the Scriptures. Me saying it and you seeing it are two different things. So, if you would like to do that, I would gladly... You can stop that thing if you...